I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel. Thank you, Edward. It certainly is. I like to say you say it best when you say nothing at all, Mark Schwarzer. Well, it is a podcast, so I suppose maybe you should say something. But welcome to another episode of the Two Sharp Reds. Of course, every week here on Two Sharp Reds, myself, Ollie Gill, and you, Mark Short. So we like to try a bottle of red wine and we'll talk about all things Premier League, all things football across the world. And then towards the end of the episode, we will compare that bottle of wine to a player, past or present. So I retract my statement. You say it best when you say anything at all. Thank you very much, Ollie Gill. But I'm just really concerned that you're wearing a Minnesota Vikings hat. What the hell are you doing? It's a football podcast. It's not a, it's not a um, uh, what do you call it? That, that, that silly game over there. What are game. you wearing there? You're wearing sort of like a, it's a cap, but it's a beanie. What, yeah. what, would, you, what would you call that? So it's just like a woolly hat. Yeah, a woolly hat with a um, bit of a visor on it. So what, just, are just, are just, we saying that we should maybe both take our hats off? I'm okay with no, that. No, I'm having a really bad hair day, so no chance. Um, have a look. And yours, yours is just normal. So if you took yours off, it's a standard bad hair day. Uh, can I just have a look? What, what's a bad head? <laughs> Come on, quickly, quickly, quickly. Yeah, I'd put that, yeah, I'd put that back on, actually. Oh, yeah. B- bottom right of the hair. That's really... Oh, that's all over the place. Okay, we're, but... we're, we can call us the Hat Street Boys because we're hatting yep. today and I'm enjoying it. Right, let's get stuck into the wine and then we've got to go through a lot of football stuff. It's been a great weekend. Uh, plenty of comings and goings we need to talk about. I've gone for the Italian Frappato only because of its name. I saw a frappato and I went, well, I'm not, I'm not, not getting a frappato. Like it's just, what, what's a frappato? Well, it's just, it's, it's the type of red, but I've never really heard of a frappato. Can't even say it. Frappato. <laughs> An Italian frappato. Ruby red in color lined with purple tinge. This bouquet has a pleasant fruit fragrance, fresh fruit and lively soft on the palate. Uh, so I'm very much looking forward to that. But it's, it's amazing, isn't it? The earlier that we do the podcast, the more that we can't pronounce anything to do with the wine well certainly you can't anyway well go on then you've obviously okay. had too much you've had too much to drink already i'll handball it to you good luck okay i'm going for another shiraz this week okay. so from the barossa valley it's called two hands bella's garden it is uh it's crafted this ripe heady heady Ooh. sorry heady 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 dark cherry vanilla cedar and packed beauty that bagged a 92 Parker points, apparently. Oh, what's a Parker point? I don't know. It's a way of uh, distinguishing whether it's a good wine or not. Um, oh, and, and, and Mr. Parker got, is the man. And how many did Mr. Parker give out? 90, did you say? 92. Not, oh, right, not too okay. bad. Anything north of 90, Mr. Yeah, Parker Yeah, I think it's knows. pretty decent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, let's get stuck in. Cheers, Mark. Cheers, man. Okay, I don't want to be overly dramatic here. Oh, and on the weekend, yeah, for the change, exactly. On the weekend, I think we potentially saw, not the, certainly not the best Premier League game we've ever seen, but I would feel comfortable in saying almost the best Premier League game we've seen without fans in attendance. How about we start with that and we can work backwards. West Ham 3, Arsenal 3. West Ham go 3-0 up before half time. Arsenal work themselves back into it. A few own goals. I think the first time in... How many years? Ten years, I think, since a side had more than one own goal in a game. It was Newcastle against Arsenal, which is a bit of a go. bit of trivia for you. Am I being too dramatic there? Or, or would that be possibly the best game we've seen since the restart slash going into this season? It's impressive, and it's one of the best, yeah, since we've had the restart. And I think I think um it it was one of those games that kind of played out as if there were fans in the stadium. That's how dramatic yeah. it kind of unfolded. And, and it's kind of weird, isn't it? There's no fans, but it kind of had an atmosphere of how dramatic it was. And you could see the Arsenal players, particularly when they scored the, the equaliser 3-3, what it meant to them and, and, and um, how excited they were. And, and obviously, realisation of what a comeback that was, 3-0 down to, to 3-3. And what a shame there weren't any fans in the stadium because imagine the atmosphere oh. if there were fans. I mean, initially, West Ham fans would have been going crazy. They would have been giving the Arsenal fans stick, which is rightfully so, and, and you would have been crying still. Yep. And then 
as the game went on and the, the turnabout started to occur, it, it was it would have been the reverse, wouldn't it? Uh, the, the Arsenal fans would have been that were left in the stadium. I would have thought. <laughs> you no, know, you're spot on. I think it's fair I, enough. I'm by sure. Half-time. Yeah, I'm sure there would have been some that would have walked out the door. Um, maybe maybe not because it was three one. Maybe because they got one back. Yeah. Um, maybe and then. They scored relatively sort of uh, midway through the second half, didn't they, I think? Or yeah. a little bit earlier than that. So I think may, maybe not too many would have disappeared. Um, but yeah, that no, was a, 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 a really good game and an entertaining game, um, dramatic game. Um, and I'll go back to it, just a shame there's no fans there. Yeah, I know. But we were there in spirit and that's the main thing. Uh, now, it's a, it's a bit of a topic we've talked about a few times with Arsenal in re- recent times. Yes, OK, they didn't get the win. But one thing we've seen was their you know, ability to bounce back, which is really something in probably recent years that, that we haven't seen from Arsenal. So that's one clear difference, would you say, that in this season, yep, all right, they're only in ninth. Pretty disappointing. But, geez, it's good to see that they've got that resilience and a, ne- a bit of a never-say-die. I want to say a bit because I think that it's not 100% there. But there's a bit of a never-say-die attitude. I love it how an Arsenal fan tries to put a very positive spiel on, on a really dire situation for Arsenal. Go on. <laughs> Come they're on. horrendous in the first 45 minutes. I, I know. They're horrendous. Know. They, they were like, they were playing like a relegation candidate side, the way they played in that first 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what there's to be excited about. Resilience. About. The resilience. Well, yeah, but... We would have lost yeah, that game 6-0 I, yeah. uh, you know, a few years ago. No, he wouldn't have, but... Uh, no, I know what you're saying, and and you've got to give credit where credit's due. Yes, the the, the turnaround was was impressive, but my God, should they have been in that position in the first place? No, of course not. I mean, it was it was comical. It was schoolboy defending. Um, I mean, listen, Jesse Lingard's first goal was a really nice goal, and it's difficult to defend against edge of the box. Really nice finish. I mean, I suppose you could you know you can criticise the lead up and the poor defending and then so many players in the box from Arsenal but no one at the edge of the box picking up Jesse Lingard and that's correct um, the rest of them I mean the second goal geez I mean talk about switching off and allowing you know Jesse Lingard again heavily involved to to take a quick free kick and then Burn, I know it was a, a really poor goal to concede in that near mm. post. You could see by his reaction, he knew straight away. What, Did it go what, through his legs or just, just to his I, side on I the near post? I think it may have gone just next to his leg, yeah. um, off his hand as well. It was just a really lazy attempt, yeah. um, which is kind of unusual from Leno. You don't really see that sort of, um, um, well, attempt of a save uh, from him. So, no, it was really, really poor. And then, you know, if you, if you, you, know, you look at the rest of them, um, you know the the three the three nil again just defensively poor not picking up um, pit, enough players around just yeah. people watching too much and yeah. no one really engaging so that would have been a real a big disappointment and 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 a, and a sense of enormous amount of frustration for for Mikel Arteta. However, the, the positive is yes he would have come away from there saying, "Well done. I can't I can't criticize your your resilience your." Your determination, your your grit, and uh, the ability to get back in the game—I can't, you know, can't question that one bit. But gosh, you should never have been in that position in the first place. Mm-hmm. But then you've got to give West Ham credit because West Ham have been amazing, and the way they started the game was was excellent. They did blow them out of the park um, in that first forty-five minutes, pretty much. And then obviously it's a little bit of a wobble once you concede and then the second one goes in and then, and, I mean, the way the game was open though, both sides could have easily scored more. I mean, it could have been a, a, such a high scoring, I mean, it already was a high scoring game, but it could have been ridiculous. Uh, the amount of chances both sides had, um, you know, Antonio hitting the post, the inside of the post and, and, and going across uh, the face of the goal. So, you know, again, David Moyes, you could, you could see it after the game. He was visibly Really down about it, disappointed it about it. Yeah, but he was pumped during the game, but afterwards disappointed, like really frustrated that you're leading 3 0 at yeah. home to, to, okay, it's Arsenal, but let's be honest, it's an Arsenal side that have struggled this season. Yeah. And yeah, they've played some nice football at times, but they're in a, they're in a terrible position, really, for Arsenal. Mm. Best player on the field out of either side. I've got a name written down here. I want to see if we've got the same name. It's hard to look beyond Jesse Lingo. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. Particularly, I mean, I know yeah, first 45 minutes, I thought he was exceptional. Um, I don't know. Who are, you, who are you thinking? Well, it was out of 
in fairness, two low knee players, one Lingard, but I was sort of more looking on Erdegaard. And I'd love to get, he, mate, he was everything that Ozil should have been without a yeah. shadow of a doubt. I mean, it's, again, two, two 45 minutes. So who do you go with? You know, do you go with one that yeah. performed uh, exceptional in the first 45 or the one that finished in, in, in the second 45 on top? And yes, Erdegaard was, uh, I think, Arsenal standout player. And, you know, he's hopefully, you know, we saw that we've seen this one from Ozil, right? We saw him go through periods of playing really, really well. And then all of a sudden, against a better opposition, he would almost become non-existent. Let, let's, let's see what happens with Odegaard. Um, he, I mean, already for me, he, he works so much more hard, so much harder than, uh, than Ozil has ever. Um, so his commitment to the cause, his, his, uh, um, his work rate, his involvement, um, his, his, his commitment to help out his side in defense without, you know, without possession of the ball is, is right up there. And, and you've got to give him credit for it. It, I think it was the reverse, you know, for him. It was about actually having an influence in the game and being able to create stuff. Against West Ham was the first time, I think, at least for 45 minutes that he showed that quality. And now what Arsenal will be hoping for is that he builds upon that. And that is kind of the, the, the foundations for him now to kick on with, you know, how was it, nine games, eight games, depending on how many games left for Arsenal. Um, it, has he done enough? to justify trying to sign him permanently. Will they even be able to? Who knows? But I'm not sure what their deal is, whether there is an option to buy him. Um, but whether or not he has done enough, I don't think he's done enough yet for Arsenal justifying going and buying him. Be interesting to see what Real Madrid would want for him. Um, I would think, I don't know, just the top of their head, 35, 40 million maybe. That's what they probably want. Would they get that for him? Maybe not. Probably not. Not in this climate. So if Arsenal could, could get him, provided he kicks on, provided he continues the form, now he builds upon the performance in the second half against West Ham. Um, I think if Arsenal could get him from anything under 30 million, I think they'd do really, really well. Well, considering that they want Sabias, they reckon it's 30 mil. And you go, well, okay, so you've got Sabias on Erdegaard. So in that situation, I think it's a no-brainer. But it's a bit of a... It's a bit of an age-old question, and it's difficult, isn't it, when there's no uh, option to buy. But how do both West Ham and Arsenal deal with the fact that they clearly like Odegaard and, and clearly like Lingard, but the better they play, the, the more their stocks go up? <laughs> how, how do you walk that line perfectly? I, I think for Jesse Lingard, it's maybe a little bit different because he was in the Manchester United side. He was a regular. He was playing regularly for England. He was kind of, he felt, I think he felt like a big part of that, of the future of Manchester United. Obviously dropped down the pecking order massively, injuries, lack of form. He's gone out and he's, and he's performed and he's performed very, very well. And he's been West Ham's probably best player since, since he signed for them or one of their best players, maybe not necessarily the best player, but one of the best players. So does he think that he still has a chance to go back to United and establish himself or re-establish himself as a regular or at least a, a player of importance in the squad? Um, and I think if he, think, he, if he feels that that's a possibility, if, if uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer says to him, yes, you, know, you are going to be very much involved, I would think he would go back to Manchester United. Because it's Manchester United and, and, and not trying to be disrespectful towards West Ham at all. It is Manchester United, and it's an opportunity then for him to, to you know, to I suppose, show people that he isn't finished, he hasn't washed up. I mean, you look at all the memes that were around about him, you know, and and you know the criticism that he received from people, and I think it would be for him an amazing opportunity to to kind of just rub people's face in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mark FA Cup. A uh, good weekend of it. We've got our semi-finals confirmed. Leicester versus Southampton, Chelsea versus Man City. But just looking back to yesterday in particular, the Leicester-Manchester United game, I'm going to put this one out there. It's going to be a big sentence. It's going to be a fiery one. But would Maguire get into Leicester's current side? I'm no. not convinced he would. No, he wouldn't. No. Uh, I, I was on the radio yesterday and Dwight York was on there with me. Um, we were doing a program and... It was obviously talking about Leicester, uh, Manchester United, the game, previewing the game. And one of the things was about Leicester and where are they and who are they and what they, what could they do and can they go on and win the Premier League? 
And, and one of the things I said was that I believe it's going to be very, very difficult for them to win the Premier League because year after year, they always sell one or two of their best players. Hmm. And, and that, in, that in itself is a model that clubs can go by. But if they want to win something, they have to try and keep hold of their best players. So Harry Maguire is an interesting one because you'd look at it and go, I, I, even when Harry Maguire was playing for Leicester, I never in a million years thought he was worth 80 million pounds. I thought 30, 40 million pounds, yeah, but 80 million pounds, I, I just thought was ludicrous, right? So I think, uh, I, mean, it's pretty, I think it's pretty obvious that Manchester United paid way over the top for him. But he's homegrown, he's English. Um, they were desperate for a centre-half and they, and they paid, I think, above the odds by quite a lot. So did Leicester identify that already? Did Leicester realise that, you know what, he's good, but he's not that, that good? And we've got eyes on other people that we believe will be better? And if that's the case, I mean, it's, it's hindsight and it's probably you ask someone at Leicester who made those decisions, I'll go, yeah, yeah, yeah we, we knew. Um, sure. And it's easy to do it in hindsight, you know? But if, if that's a model that they go by and they think, right, you know what, certain players they believe have reached their ceiling, and I'm not saying that you always get that right. You, you can get that decision wrong. You can get that judgment call wrong. However, you still make a lot, a lot of money out of it. You decide that this is the model you're going along. And there's very few clubs over time that have done it regularly and consistently and done it successfully. I think Manchester United were one that did it really well. They had fringe players, players that played, made it, especially the young players in the, in the team at Manchester United. And then they would, Alex, Sir Alex Ferguson would identify that actually, you know what? This guy's not good enough to be a regular, not good enough for really the high, high standards of Manchester United. But what we're going to do is we're going to sell him and we're going to get 20 million. For, oh, sorry, back then it was, it was a lot less, probably 5 million, 10 million, you know, th- this sort of money um, frequently. When I was at Middlesbrough, there was an opportunity to do the same. But they didn't because there was this, this idea um, that the owner had was that he wanted to build a side that was in the Premier League, that was a side built of locally produced players. And, and that, was his, that was his dream. And with that dream, he lost sight of what is a reality? What are the possibilities? How good are these players actually coming through? They've done really, really well in a good mix of experienced, good players in the Premier League. And these guys have just slotted in and done really well. But the reality was, are they good enough then? Take that experienced player out and replace it with a lesser experienced player, not as good a quality player. Are they then as good as you think they are? Are they then able to take over and go, right, I'm, I'm going to be the, the more experienced player now. I've got the games in my belt and I'm going to lead from the front and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drag up the guys around me. They weren't. And, and very few were. There are a couple of exceptions, like Stuart Downing, Adam Johnson. There are a few examples uh, of it or exceptions. The rest were, some of them were, were, were good. Some were just okay. Um, and they, they went on to have decent careers elsewhere, but at a, at a lesser level. Not necessarily lesser level in terms of below the Premier League, but not a side that, that kind of was looking to try and be a top half, breaking into Europe, whatever it was, it was more probably teams that were kind of in and out of the Premier League. So a lot of clubs can't identify that. Like they, 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 they decide that or they're afraid to sell a player that they've produced out of their academy with the fear that actually they'll go on to become something really, really special mm-hmm. and they'll be made to look a bit silly. And the, the argument to that is, well, had you have not sold into a better club like they were, more often than not, or they were sold to different clubs, they may not have progressed like they did at, at say, Middlesbrough, for example, because of the environment, because of the coaching, the situation. The reason they've actually progressed is because they've been out of their comfort zone and they've had to push themselves to a different level. Um, and, and I think so many clubs get that wrong or they're afraid to make that decision. So whether it's right or wrong, they're still afraid to make it because of potential repercussions, especially from fans that you're selling some of your best young players. And then rather than going, you know what, we're going to keep, we're going to sell this player, that player, but we're going to keep these three or four because we believe these three or four have the potential and there's a good balance between keeping three or four as opposed to seven or eight and trying to bring, integrate those guys into the, the first team all at once. So, yeah, um, I, think, I think that's what a lot of clubs do wrong. 
And so if we go back to, to Maguire, what do we feel like he has given Manchester United in a positive way? I'll, I'll start things off by saying stability in terms of hardly misses a game for yep. him, which has been good. You know, he's not having an injury riddled time. But what's he given them from a positive perspective? I think when he first came, he, he was someone that obviously came with a lot of confidence. It was a Manchester United side that at the back were really, really fragile. Um, I thought communication was really poor initially. And I think he's someone that came in and, and was able to stabilize it, to add some confidence, um, stability to the back line. And I think he did that pretty well at the beginning. And then yeah. I think he formed a pretty decent relationship with Lindelof. And the only problem is, I mean, in the Premier League, you know, you can get away with it three quarters of the games, right? But then you talk about, say, you know, the top sort of um, five, six teams, you're going to struggle. And, and Leicester are one of those five, six teams, aren't they? Mm. And Leicester also played their strongest side that they possibly could play at that time yesterday, yeah. you know, barring the injuries that they've got. But they've played the strongest side, whereas Manchester United made a lot of changes, not their strongest side um, by, by a long shot. And you can't afford to do that. I mean, Manchester City can do it because they've got unbelievable players on the bench as well. Good enough players to walk in to the likes of Manchester United side and other sides alike. So <clears throat> there are, there's probably only one team that could do it successfully and, and, and regularly. And that's Manchester City because of the type of squad of players that they've got. So um, when, you, when you make those changes and you have a lesser quality of players around you, then the, you get more exposed. And when you get more exposed, your weaknesses then are, um, are magnified. And with, with uh, you know, and you, you know, so with Harry Maguire is that he's big, he's strong, he's robust, but he's not, he's not the quickest. He's, uh, he's, he's not so in mobility in terms of quick turning in small areas, he's not great. So he gets exposed. And when he gets exposed, and a player knows you're coming up against two players like, say, for example, Ian Acho and Jamie Vardy, where he knows clearly that he's not anywhere near quick enough to, to keep, up with these, keep up with these guys. So the first form of defence is to retreat or to dive in. Now, Mark, at this point, I just want to swap our wine out for a glass of WKD and raise it because I'm worried, I'm worried we're seeing Vardy's decline. And I think at that point, it's time to have a quick sip of, of, of the blue machine. Am I being dramatic again? It feels like it. I mean, he had a great chance. Uh, he had a couple of moments, but he had one in particular really good chance in the game against United. But I'm worried. I'm worried it might be finally upon us. You, be, can't, you can't go off one game and say that you're worried that James I'm not. I'm not decline. going off one game. I'm going off, I reckon, the last 10 weeks. No. The problem, the problem Leicester have had with Jamie Vardy is that they haven't had another Jamie Vardy. They haven't had a replacement. Now Nacho is stepping up. But then Nacho is playing better alongside Jamie Vardy. Whereas previously, that's very rarely happened. And what Jamie Vardy is doing now, he's becoming more of a provider. He's becoming more of a player that obviously is also a distraction for the opposition because they're, they're, they're so afraid of Jamie Vardy running off someone's shoulder and running him behind that their focus is generally a lot on him and less on someone like Nacho. Well, that's going to change very, very quickly because you know scoring goals like he is now. Um, I don't think I don't think there's a decline. I mean, listen, is there a decline? There may be a, a small decline. It's more about altering your game. I mean, you look at you look at Harry Kane, how he's altered his game a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a it's part of evolution. You know, Ronaldo's done exactly the same thing. He's he, I mean, he's probably if anyone, he, out of all the the top top players, he's the one that's altered his game more than anyone else. Won't be long, I promise. Back to Ollie and Mark in just 15 seconds. If you enjoy Two Sharp Reds, though, make sure you search The Gegen Pod wherever you get your podcasts. David Weiner is joined by thousands of games of experience both on and off the field. It's a great listen. G-E-G-E-N-P-O-D, The Gegen Pod. Okay, back to Two Sharp Reds. Halftime drinks here on the Two Sharp Reds. Jeez, uh, I feel a lot better after you tell me that. I was, I was seriously, I, I honestly struggled to sleep last night because of it. Did you I was really? that, Yeah, I was that worried. Uh, Mark, good news is I've heard back from uh, the, <clears throat> the uh, camping chair people. No way. So regular listeners, uh, mum, will know that over the last few weeks, 
uh, we have been wanting to, to you know, have a, really have a revolution of, of seating for, for managers. And we've, just, we've sort of landed on the, the traditional camping chair, you know, pocket for your cup of tea or whatever it might be. And uh, with two sharp red printing and then the, the uh, sort of Velcro on the back uh, for, uh, for the manager's name. Now, the, I've heard back firstly between now and last episode, which says that uh, it's going to be 30 pounds for a chair, 20 for printing, but we have since uh, thought about the Velcro idea. So I've had to go to another printing company that does Velcro as well. So I'm okay. waiting on their response, but worst yep. case scenario, it'll all be, it'll be a 50 pound, a 50 pound chair. Right, Are we okay. comfortable? Do we think? Or do, I mean, is, I mean, I the I idea is, I, I haven't tried the chair right yet. <laughs> oh, he's good. <laughs> he's good. Uh, look, here's where I stand. The most important thing here all is set. the revolution. <laughs> Settle down. The most important thing here is the, the revolution in seating arrangements. But in an ideal world, we also want to make just a little bit of cheddar on the side. So if okay. it's a 50, if it costs us 50 pounds a chair, you know, is a club going to buy it for minimum 60? That's what I, what I want to ask. You want to make you, a tenner on a chair? Is that what you want no, to No, 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 no. I prefer, I'm saying minimum. We obviously, you know, five for each in that scenario. Yeah. A good bottle of wine from Audi in fairness, but you know, not okay. 70. Do you think a team's going to buy it for 70 pounds is my worry. Or they go and source their own. Good point. <laughs> if they listen to this, they probably could. Yeah, they've already taken our ideas. Can you believe? But then there's effort. Then there's effort. Like, do they yeah. want to do that? Whereas I do. Okay, Mark. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I've said it before uh, in the times that we've had two shepherds, but international break. Not my favourite. It's, it's not up there, particularly when Australia isn't playing. I think that that's. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, but have you not seen international break over eight days is 88 games? Yeah. Have you not seen it on Optus Sport? 88 games over eight days. World Cup qualifiers, European World Cup qualifiers. Well, it's if a great that's point you bring not up. an opportunity to literally wet your taste buds to yep. make you salivate yep. over the course of the eight days, you've got a game every single day. Yeah. No. A minimum oh, one game. Minimum one game every day. It's a great point you bring up because normally I was going to say I don't like an international break with friendlies. But, of course, as yes. you mentioned on Optus Sport. World Cup qualifies. So there you go. Big. There's a lot to play for. And I, 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 um, I think it's pretty cool. When I saw it, I went, wow. Actually, that's, that's made me a little bit more excited. We're on here. Yeah. It's a bonanza of football. Bonanza. Great word. Got to incorporate that more. Uh, so at this point, uh, obviously the Socceroos don't play Q8 until, geez, I reckon it's the 2nd of June, something like that. It's not, it's not for a little while. But I'd like to take this opportunity to put our green and gold hat on. You know, it's a really great opportunity that we get to, to share, really, something that we both agree on. It's wine and Socceroos, which is a beautiful thing, I think. So I'm concerned we haven't seen Socceroos in such a long time. At all, I almost forget what the squad looks like. It'll be very interesting to see how the formation will be and how we're looking. But I'm worried we, we, we don't have any game changes. I feel, honestly, I feel like this is an episode of Home and Away today. I'm being that dramatic with everything. But I am concerned we're not going to have any goals. Um, you know what? We've got a potential game changer. And it's whether or not he gets selected. Um, and he's played a couple of games for Scotland. Um, but they've all been, they've all been friendlies. Um, so there's an opportunity, a guy called Jason Cummings. The cum dog, yes. Yes, yes, exactly. You've seen it. Um, he's, a, he's a maverick. He's a, apparently one of the, uh, the zaniest characters apparently he's been named as um, since Gaza. He's out there. Wow. Um, he's played alongside Martin Boyle. So Martin Boyle knows him really well and speaks to him regularly um, about the possibilities of playing for Australia and, and, and how, how much he enjoys it and how much he looks forward to it and how professionally he feels it and that it would be brilliant that if, uh, that if Cummings were to be part of it. He's only 25 years old, um, Jason Cummings. So I, I think, listen, I think there's, a, there's an opportunity to add something a little bit different hmm. in, in someone like him. Um, yeah, I mean, if you if you think about the the usual the usual suspects, um, Aaron Moy, of course, is mm. is still someone that that we will rely on heavily. 
problem is Daniel, the players like Daniel Azani haven't progressed like we'd all hoped. He's really struggled wherever he's gone on loan. He's struggled, whether it's injuries initially at Celtic, and then since then, he's really struggled to get any, any, any regular game time. I'm not quite sure why. Mm-hmm. And it's not like he's gone to a level where I believe that he's not good enough to succeed in. On the contrary, I think he's, in a, he's gone to levels where I believe he should be flying in. Yeah. Um, and for, for, for some unknown reasons, it's not quite working for him. Um, which is a real disappointment. I'm pretty sure he's been called up for the under 23 side for um, Olympia, or had been. I think that game, they actually, that camp's been cancelled, I think. Um, it was supposed to be in Saudi Arabia, the under 23's national team for the, you know, the Olympic side. Yep. Um, so I think he's a big chance of going to the Olympics uh, in Japan. But we need him, we need him to, to perform, firstly, the 23's, and then secondly, to be so good that he's, that he's eschewing to play for the national team, the Socceroos. And, and, you know, players like Daniel Lozani don't come around too often. Um, well, there are a lot of players like Daniel Lozani that have been around who have had an sure. amazing amount of ability, showed glimpses of ability, and then for one reason or another, have faded away. Mm. And we have to hope that that doesn't happen to, to Daniel Lozani. <laughs> one area that I think <clears throat> that we, there is a little bit of concern about is a goalkeeping position. Um, Firstly, you've got uh, Matty Ryan is obviously not playing at Arsenal and, and, and seems to, I don't think, it doesn't seem like there's going to be an opportunity unless something changes dramatically between now and the end of the season. I mean, no, things can happen and Leno can get injured, something can happen. Maybe the manager will make a decision and allow him to play a game or two, who knows, um, which is really tough for Matty. But I think that was always going to be the challenge for him when he went to Arsenal. Um, Danny Vukovic has left Ghent. Um, I don't know if you've seen the news. He's, yeah. he's literally from one day to the next. He's decided to go back to Australia. His wife is due, I think, their second child. Um, so we'll have to wait and see where he finds himself. Um, but the positive is Mitch Langerak, who's been been exceptional. I think he's kept five clean sheets in his in his last five games. They've played six games so far. He's only considered one, which was an own goal. Uh, they're second on the table in 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 the J League. And uh, with a game in hand, so they could easily be top of the table. So at the moment, he is absolutely, well, at the moment, even last season, he was flying. Mm. Um, so, and I think with, with uh, goalkeepers, when it comes to Australia, we've always had an abundance of goalkeepers and seemingly playing at, at pretty decent levels around the world and uh, over the course of time. And there always seems to be one or two playing really well. So fortunately, you know, even though for Matty, it's not great, he's not playing, the, the the door may open for someone like Mitch where he's playing week in, week out, playing really, really well. And there may be an opportunity, um, even at this stage of his career, then to 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 get an opportunity to play for the Socceroos uh, and, and maybe more more regularly for the time being. We'll see. So without oversimplifying the position, I would never want to do that to you, Mark. I think, am I right in saying that at least with a goalkeeper, you could just take, almost you could take, the league standard out of it, all they need to be doing is to be facing shots regularly. Do you know what I mean? So the fact that he is doing that and Ryan isn't really, you would almost say he's completely in a better position. Whereas if Ryan was playing every week, obviously then your Premier League trumps J League every day of the week. But really the goalkeeper just needs to be facing shots. It does in terms of level. And when you say facing shots, yeah, it's game time. It's, it's not just yeah. facing shots in terms of training, whatever. It's game time. Playing, it's match, match awareness, match um, practice, match fitness. Um, for a goalkeeper, it's more about <clears throat> it's the rhythm, you know, spatial awareness, the, the distances, balls over the top, um, being in a rhythm, um, playing regularly, playing well. And, and certainly Mitch has been doing that. And he's been doing that not just... This season, he did it last season as well. Broke the record for number of clean sheets in the league. So he, he's um, he's doing really, really well. So the pressure is on, and and that's what you want. You want competition in in as many places as you could possibly have. And uh, the goalkeeping position, we've always had that sort of competition, um, or pretty much most of the time, you know. So it's great to 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 at least have that fallback. Um, and uh, let's see. I mean, you know what? The games won't be until June. Um, so things may also change between now and then. You, you just don't know. But at this current moment in time, you know, if if Australia were involved in an international this 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 uh, coming weekend, 
I'd be very, very surprised if Mitch were not playing, particularly if it's a, it's a, if it's a, a World Cup qualifier as such. Um, but obviously that's not the case. So obviously by June as well, Matty Ryan, you would assume, would have a new home or, or at least know his home, whether it's staying yeah. at Arsenal or, yeah, or going possibly, elsewhere. Yeah. Huge next move for him though, isn't it? Massive. To get it, it right. Yeah, it is. Because I, I think one thing is clear that he doesn't have a future uh, at, at Brighton. Certainly not as number one. Um, Robert Sanchez has established himself and um, Graham Potter's really put his neck on the line in terms of, of making that decision. And I don't believe he's going to change anything. <clears throat> um, Sanchez hasn't shown any reasons why to, to, or to think that maybe he's wobbling, maybe he's going to find it difficult, maybe he's struggling with the, the pressures. He's not. He's just got his first call up for the national team as well for Spain. So I don't think it's going to be um, an option for Matty. So the next, next move is huge, like you said. I mean, what is he, 28 years old? Um, he needs to make a decision on whether he, he has an opportunity potentially. I've heard potentially there is a potential that he could stay at Arsenal. But then, you know, if you're staying in a club like Arsenal, what are your opportunities? What will your opportunities be? What options will you have in terms of game time? And that would be his major concern. I suppose once he's established himself from mm. the start of a season, though, he will be playing Europa Leagues. I would have thought. I think no surprise that Leno's playing the current Europa League games. But next season, he'd be, he'd be the cut man, minimum. We say that, or you say that. It, it's, you know, you, you've got to understand from a goalkeeper's perspective and in a club like, like Arsenal, any club really, and, 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 I, and I think a lot of it will do, have to do with the manager. Um, if the manager's really strong and says, you know what, I've got two really good goalkeepers, one's going to play this competition and the other's going to play this. You're my number one, but he's going to play these competition. At what point, and we see it time and time again with clubs, that a goalkeeper will be, the second keeper will be given an opportunity to play in a cup competition. So whichever cup competition that is. And they get to the latter stages, then all of a sudden the manager makes the change, brings back in the number one. Mm. We saw it at Arsenal not so long ago with, uh, with Petr Cech being swapped in and out with the Champions League games. So... When he first signed for them, he, he thought, you know, he was told that he was going to be playing Champions League and then ended up finding himself on the bench and not playing. Um, and I think it doesn't work particularly well for, for anyone. I think it's difficult for a number two to then to step up and try and play, say, for example, a cup competition, particularly one where you want to go far into the competition and do really, really well. Mm. You need regular football. You can juggle it for a little while, but over the course of time you you know you if you haven't played any games in between and all of a sudden you're playing a cup game in december and then the next one's in february yeah i mean it's a long period of time when you're not playing say it's champions league or, or january yeah february it is february in a normal season so if you jan in the middle of january to then the next game would be in february and then that's a knockout game are you prepared to play a keeper that hasn't been playing for two months mm in such a huge game. Um, we saw it, like I said, we saw it at Arsenal uh, a number of years ago with, um, with, with Petr Cech and um, his name actually... Espino? Includes... Espino. Yeah. yeah. Espino. And, and, and Espino ended up having a, a bit of a disaster because he didn't play... He hadn't been playing games regularly. Yeah. Almost cost, cost Arsenal uh, uh, passes into the next round. Yeah, and then I suppose as well, Ryan's fear, particularly with Arsenal, would be well they might not even but he be in Europe next season. So that's one competition altogether. That he yeah, have that's the exactly to play. right. So then all of a sudden you're only you're only relying on the domestic cups, and yeah. then Arsenal will be looking at going well, okay, so FA Cup doesn't start until December. Yeah, for for the Premier League sides, yeah, you got the the League Cup, but if you're unlucky, you get a, a, another Premier League opposition in in the in the first stages that you're in, you know, what is it? I can't remember League Cup. I think it's like, I think Arsenal would be in round two. Is that right? Yeah. Um, if they don't qualify for Europe or the League Cup, I think. If you're unlucky and have a bad day and he makes a lot of changes, you could lose that game. Yeah. You know, and you could be out or, or second, the, the, the second round that you're in, you may lose, you know, and all of a sudden <laughs> you've only got the FA Cup, which starts in December and you've only got the league to play. And when you're in the league, you're not going to play unless something yeah. dramatic happens. 
Mark, uh, just our final topic here on the Two Sharp Reds. Um, it's the battle of the next gen. And there's a, a stat that was created or broken, I should say, over the weekend that's whew, got my juices flowing. Mbappe breaking the record for fastest to reach 100 French top flight goals. So I'm going to put it to, to the show and I want to just, just have a brief talk about this. Who will be the best out of the next gen? I've, got, I've put together a little list here of a few names, six names. So we've got Mbappe and Haaland, I think, are the two obvious ones. I've thrown in a Jude Bellingham. You know, he's 17. Yep. Or what is he, maybe 18 now? I've got an Odegaard, just, just for, for, you know, okay. Because he's not? Arsenal player at the moment. Because he's Arsenal, yeah, correct, correct, correct. Harvey Elliott. Yep. Alfonso Davies. He just snuck in, but he is 20. Out of that list, if I had 100 schmackos to put on who's going to be the best of that generation, who's winning? Uh, who's winning? It's, uh, I think that's a pretty easy... Well, no. Well, okay. Who's winning? Mbappe's winning, let's be honest. He's a world champion. You know, he was, he was, he was a big part of France winning the World Cup in 2018. He's a, an unbelievable player. You just rattled rattle off one of the stats, scoring quickest player, youngest player and quickest player to get 100 goals in, in the French League. Alfonso Davies, I'm a massive fan of, as we, as anyone who's listened to the show regularly will know, um, or may think that I am, which yeah. I am. Um, will have an opportunity, um, barring an injury or a disaster, to play at a, at a World Cup. Yeah. Um, so, you know what? I think he's still got time, and you know, listen, he's won the Champions League. He was unbelievable for Bayern Munich. Has been great. I don't think this season he's been as good as he was last season. Um, but he has also had quite a few injuries this season, so it's, he's struggled a little bit for, for continuity. And the elephant in the room, of course, is his red card on the weekend as well. Yeah, what was it, 14 minutes, 16 minutes yeah. into the game? Unbelievable. And Bayern still go and win 4-0. <laughs> <laughs> Insane. So I think it, that was his first straight red card of his career. Yeah, it's not a violent, it's not a violent red card. It's, it's a red, I mean, listen, it's, it's a red card. But it's not violent. It's it's a little bit reckless. Um, but it, there's there's certainly no intent to to be dirty to go over the ball. So yeah, I think he's a wonderful player, phenomenal athlete, um, quick. You know, ball control, amazing. I mean, you could easily think I'm talking about Mbappe. Yeah. So you know, but Mbappe's been around a little bit longer. He's won a little bit a little bit more, and I think. Obviously, also he's a, he's a more of an attacking player, so he's kind of for people, he's he's nice on the eye. Mm-hmm. Um, but Alfonso Davies can play multiple positions and play them really, really well. So, um, all right, I'm a big fan. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> what about? So, who's going to be? Who's going to be the the biggest player? Uh, uh, Mbappe yeah. is going to be okay. closely followed by Mbappe, uh, by uh, Alfonso Davies, and then Haaland. Yeah, listen, Harlan, he's a phenomenal goal scorer. Absolutely. Phenomenal goal scorer. And he just looks like one of those players that will score wherever he goes. And I don't know. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something here. I think, of them, I think Dortmund is a wonderful stepping stone for him. Mm-hmm. But it's holding him back already. Physically how? Um, no, holding him back in terms of really being judged as being one, like one of the best players. Like, if he were a Bayern Munich, he would be Lewandowski level, you know, and 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 scoring fifty goals and being regarded as, and they'll be winning trophies, you know. Whereas Dortmund, he's by far the best player in terms of and and most exciting player to watch. It's just his own. It's his own record, his own play that is drawing attention, not necessarily the team. So with Bayern, you get the complete package. You know, yeah. Dortmund's not a kind of a Galactico, in, in like a club that's that's seen as a. It's a big club. Don't get me wrong; it's massive. It's a wonderful club, but it's not in the same bracket as Bayern, Barca, you know, Real Madrid. PSG though, PSG, you say? yeah, PSG. The... That that's a level these days, you know, with yeah. with your likes of Manchester City, 
um, they're the ones that I think are the upper, upper echelons. Mark, how have you enjoyed your Shiraz today? Oh, very nice. Yeah? Yeah? Oh, yeah. oh I've really enjoyed my Italian fr- frappato. 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 Uh, so- it sounds like you have, actually. <laughs> it does sound like I've thoroughly enjoyed it. But no, I have, of course, ruby red in colour, lined with purple tinge. This bouquet has a pleasant fresh fruit fragrance uh, with red fruits and lively in a soft palette. Um, it's uh, made in Sicily. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if you've ever been to Sicily. I've not been. I haven't, no. Oh, no, I haven't. All right. Jeez. Take me if there. If I wonder you go by. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, but it's, uh, yeah, in, in the, the, the vineyards surrounded by all the hills of Sicily, which of course make for a production of some pretty outstanding wines and with the incredible food matching potentials. Um, yeah, Sicily, I haven't been. Would absolutely love to. Um, yeah, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? Are you an Italian fan or you used to like Spain? No, I do, yeah. I do really enjoy Italy. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, beautiful place. Food is amazing. Um, cultural experience mm. out of this world. Yeah. No, you really, like, really cool. You don't like it as much as the Barossa Valley, though, and Adelaide, of course. Like Ooh. I said, I love Italy. <laughs> exactly. Ooh, I think you, Pinocchio's nose almost hit the microphone yeah. there. Uh, so I'm going for a Two Hands Bella's Garden Shiraz 2017 from the Barossa Valley, as you kindly mm. mentioned. Mm, mm. Thoughts on the two hands, or is it more of a one-hander? No, it's definitely a two-hand because it's very, very... Uh, um, rich, yep. I have to say, it's a big, big, rich wine uh, with depth and length. Ooh, yeah. length. Ripe blackberry with dark chocolate and black pepper aromas. Oh, black pepper aromas, yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. That's a flavour. I think when we've talked about pepper before in recent months. Yep. If that's in it, it's going to be a good red. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, it's right up there. Okay, Mark, on that note, I'm just going to absolutely power through my uh, comparison to a player. Uh, great smelling, great smelling wine. And, and I know for a fact, not just by looking at this player, but I have actually smelt <laughs> this player quite physically. That's, that's such a, that just sounds so bad. That shouldn't well, no, even be mentioned on radio. It's on, true. On, no, on, it's on true. The podcast. It's true. And I'll tell you why, because in one of the games I went to uh, with Optisport in recent times where I was in the stands, um, all the subs are in the same area. And he walked past me and I went, I knew it. I knew he was going to smell good. And he did. Uh, incredibly soft finish. Man, man crush? Oh, absolutely. Not even a man yeah. crush, just a, just a crush. I think just oh, straight wow. down the line. I, I, I love this guy a lot. Um, but yeah, yeah, we always knew he'd smell good and I'm happy to, to confirm he does. Soft finish, really soft finish of a wine. But uh, at this guy's uh, goals of... Uh, you know, he's, he's had some, certainly some beauties, but known for being right place, right time, a nice tap in, uh, really nice soft finish. Um, now, he's often surrounded by hills, much like the vineyards of this wine, uh, surrounded by the Sicilian hills. This guy's surrounded by hills in terms of bigger names. So it allows him to be a better player, but I think can be forgotten about sometimes. And I think he could have been a better player uh, if he just was not surrounded by other hills. Um, but where he was made, much like this wine, allowing for uh, outstanding production of wine, I think where this guy was made in France and the system that he's gone through has allowed him to to be uh, a part of a, a pretty special crop of people. Uh, and I'm going to go for current Chelsea striker in Olivier Giroud, the nice-smelling oh, yeah. Frenchman. <laughs> One of the great, seriously, the, pff, Gucci, I think he smelled like. <laughs> Seriously, really good. So, yeah, hats off to you. You, you love it. What are you thinking about? Jeez, I'd love no, to get in that head. I'd love to get in that head. No, no, just, I, I'm just, I'm laughing about your man crush. On okay. Olivia Why is Giroud. that funny? Why is that funny? No, that's... no, no, just, no, no, you were right into it. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. <laughs> no, that's why I was laughing. Okay. And uh, you were very passionate about your description of uh, <laughs> Olivier. Giroud. Okay, let's see who your crush is. I haven't got a crush. Oh, Lila, I pants on fire. No, nah, I've got no crush, mate. I'm just oh, talking about... Yeah, yeah, but it's a football crush. It's not yeah. a man crush. Okay, it's not a genuine. Okay, fair nah, enough. it's not a genuine man, man crush. It's just a football okay. crush. Okay. Yeah, so like I mentioned before, mine is 
called the Two Hands Bella's Garden Shiraz 2017 Barossa Valley. Australian one, of course. Um, yeah, like I said in my mentioned in my description, and it's mine's gonna be a pretty straightforward description, really. It's one player that came to mind very, very quickly. Um, it's a big, rich wine with depth and length. And this player um, that I played with, um, with the national team, but also at Middlesbrough, big, strong, uh, phenomenal uh, player. He was a man mountain, almost impossible. He had depth and length and width and everything, and no one could get past him. No one could get the ball off him. On his day, he was unplayable. And uh, he was huge for, for Middlesbrough. We got all the way to U- uh, UEFA Cup final with him. Um, unfortunately, wasn't able to score. A great opportunity to make it 1-1 game on. But unfortunately, keeper made a really good save. Um, is, he, is he with dark chocolate and pepper aromas? No, not as far as I'm aware. I've been close enough to him on a number of occasions and I didn't smell any of that. Um, just the normal aftershave. I couldn't even tell you which aftershave it was. Oh, but I'm going to go on the fact that he's big, a lot yep. of depth, a lot of length, and um, what a player. Phenomenal player. One of the best players to play for Australia. And, uh, um, you know, huge, huge. Was part of the, the golden generation, Captain Australia at the 2006 World Cup, none other than Mark Faduka. Big Dukes. I tell you what, as well, it's funny you should bring him up um, on the TV here because we've got our own Premier League production in Bermuda that yep. plays things. Uh, I was watching uh, the last Leeds game. Was it Leeds Fulham? Must have been. And uh, half time they played top 10 Leeds goals. Oh, uh, yeah. And pff, I think Dukes had seven of them, I reckon. And geez, he was a, such a good player. So yeah, he good. was. At Leeds, he was probably at his. At the pinnacle, what turned out to be the pinnacle of his career, I believe, yeah. in terms of his performances. Mark, thank you for another very enjoyable episode of the Two Sharp Reds. Until next week, enjoy the football, enjoy the bonanza on Optus Sport. You uh, love that, don't you? I absolutely love it. And enjoy a, a nice two handed Shiraz. I will, mate. Thank you very much. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, it's been, uh, I think it's been quite an uh, in depth yeah, episode today. I agree. Um, yeah. So no jokes. It. Just no. straight down the line. Yeah. Footy wine. Yeah. Yep. Good Absolutely. Man. Well done, mate. Cheers, mate. Love you. Love you, mate. Cheers. Awkward. See ya. Yep. Yep. Love you, short up. Thanks, buddy. Yep. Another week. Another no. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.